I'm in Max, Max, Max. You are listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 27, Episode 15 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Tappy. I'm Emily. And we're on Saturday. This week, this is like a preview, and then we're going to, the next few weeks we'll be back on Fridays, I, again, I think, and then we're going to move to Saturdays for a while at least. We've done this in the past, because it allows people in Europe to see the show, and, uh, and other parts of the world as well, because I guess it's like 3 a.m. when we do the show on Friday nights. So, uh, in this episode of Happy Checks RPG Podcast, uh, Ken R. writes in about differing, differing gaming groups, and Friar Greg from Canada sends us the longest email ever. It's six pages long. Um, <laughs> but first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We're getting to the end of our big backlog of emails, so if you have anything you want to send to us, any stories you want to send us, any questions, things like that, now is the time. Uh, we're also on the social medias. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and MeWe, Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. And we have a live stream, which we're doing right now if you're watching this, which is normally on Fridays at 7 p.m. Pacific time at happyjacks.org slash live, but we'll soon be moving to probably 11-ish on Saturdays Pacific time. At, also at happyjacks.org slash live. We don't change the link when we change the time. It's the magic of the internet. All right. <laughs> who, would like, who would like to read the first email? Uh, I, I will so I can, so I don't have to read six pages. Uh, no, I know we're going to split it up. But, uh, Damn it! <laughs> Good. This is called Different Game Groups. It's by Ken, it's from Ken R. Hi, happily, hi, happy socially distanced jackers. With games having moved online, I'm really torn on the dice situation. Nothing beats rolling your favorite dice at the table with your buddies and your party cheering you on, or rolling that big baddie attack as GM and everyone looking at the dice in fear. Then again, rolling digital random dice in Roll20 or other platforms is so fast and effortless. They even do exploding dice for you, and everyone gets to see the result. Especially in games where dice rolling is a thing, and in combats, my preference is to have speedy dice rolling. I'm a big fan of simple, high-contrast dice like plain black plastic with clear white numbers. Yeah, I get that your light green, swirly, life-patterned dice with fine silver-scripted numbers fit so well to your elven character, but... FFS, for fuck's sake, can you just tell me what you rolled? Oh, now you need to turn on the flashlight on your phone because they're too difficult to read? We're waiting. Did you hot him or not? Nothing beats simple, old-fashioned dice with good contrast, and nothing is better for a game than fast roll resolution. Prove me wrong or don't. Happy ranting. Greetings from the UK. Should have read that in a British accent. Stay healthy, Axel. And you'll notice that I deleted the wrong email. (laughs) This email was supposed to go in next week. Because this doesn't have anything to do with different gaming groups, so yeah. So this no. So so this was, this was the dice rant from Axel from the Yay. UK, and I will make a note to myself that we will read his email next week. And our oh, oh, it's gonna be so great when that shows up next week. I guess I was really like I guess this is a comparison of an online group and a real life group. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I said, like, oh, they're different. Nope, that's me fucking. Well, I mean, one one of the things that I've always had uh, an issue with with kind of like the '90s 
uh, uh, roll and keep system, especially like uh, first edition vampire, is if every single time you have to roll the die, shit slows down because you have to roll it, count it, bring it together, and it it maybe takes fifteen seconds, twenty seconds, but. You know, that all adds up in a combat. If you're rolling, if you have like four dice rolls each person needs to do, and then there's four people, and then whatever it is that the NPCs are doing, that just adds up to being like, you know, 10 minutes around. Mm-hmm. And if a combat is five rounds or six rounds, which is not a long combat, uh, things just grind to a halt. Yeah. Um, that's less of an issue nowadays with some of the more modern systems, but. Even so, I, I like the online stuff better than anything else. You know, hit it, you know. And some of the online dice rollers really piss me off because they give you virtual rolling. It's like, I don't, I don't need virtual rolling. Just just tell me what it is. Give me the numbers. Yeah, the numbers. Uh, there's one that Google does that has, like, it has the shapes and you can click on it and then it goes, has this virtual rolling and then it shows you. It's like, no, just, just you can instantly give me the numbers. Just do that, especially if I can like input something on what a success is, so I can just go, okay, three successes, go. And it's, you know, less than five seconds. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I backed my way into this hobby through um, computer RPGs, like uh, Baldur's Gate was a big one, and that, like, automatically just, it's doing all the dice rolling, but it's in the background. And, like, if you really go poking around, you can find it, but... That, for me, just set up the idea that, like, this all should be instantaneous. So I'm always a little bit like, oh, wait, humans have to roll these dice? Okay, I guess. Um, I mean, we recently uh, had a a session in a a campaign I played on Happy Jacks where we spent the whole time in one combat, and it was glorious fun. It was one of my favorites. But it is one of those things that can happen when you are rolling every every player's rolling you know multiple times uh the gm has to roll multiple times for the monsters or whoever happens to be there so um the more you can automate that especially in a virtual environment uh, the better i think when you're at the table together you know it, there's a fun there and seeing the dice come up but you know now that we're all playing virtually i, I think automating it sometimes is the best solution i agree it hurts my soul to say it but i agree <laughs> I, mean, I prefer rolling dice. That's one of the one of the one of the things that the, about uh, PBTA that I'm like. I like rolling dice, and I almost always GM. So stop. Oh, see, I love the. I mean, I did that before with uh, uh, Fourth Edition. I remember like, when you did that. Yeah. And players love rolling dice. Yes, they just love it, and it keeps them engaged when the NPCs do stuff. Yeah, I, I think that. Um, I wonder you could you're you're smart enough you could probably write because what is it random.org has the really good uh, uh, pseudo random num- number generator I don't even know if it's pseudo random I, I assume you're talking to Emily when it's when you say you're smart <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> random does have some random does have some some stuff like that um, Google also of course if you Google roll oh that's right yeah. sticks or whatever and I'm wondering if you could just make a bare bones thing that you could other people could look at, could see at the same time. I don't know how that yeah. works, though. Um, you know, one thing that needs to be said, I think, is that there's a lot of people who really love the board game part of role-playing, especially D&D 5th Edition. And, like, PBTA and a lot of the, the more, like, 
sort of modern systems that kind of gloss over that or, you know, be like, okay, you have five stats and those can do everything and they're a little different, but uh, there's, it, it makes kind of like how the players operate in the board game environment more similar, which kind of makes it sort of less fun to do that and more fun to just do the role-playing part. But I think that hopefully there might be a swing back towards, you know, for the people who really enjoy combat or really enjoy that tactical fifth edition sort of aspect of it kind of swing back from like more of like the indie games, uh, back towards, uh, that style of play as -hmm. opposed to, to having, having games that are essentially just role playing like Amber Diceless where, you know, uh, you're, you're essentially just doing everything with role playing, including just role playing combat. Um, so I think that'll be an interesting thing, especially with having the computer now and being able to quickly do combat and, you know, uh, companies could come out with their own specific app or their own specific thing. And they, they do, but they're still trying to be dice. If they just stopped trying to be dice and did more of what Emily was talking about of just kind of like do it sort of in the background, uh, so it can be quicker. I think it, the tactical board game combat aspect of games w- might be very interesting in the next 10 years, but, but I don't know if it's going to swing back towards that. I mean, right now, uh, I don't see any indication of that. You remember the giant table that Microsoft made and all of oh, the, yeah. the great wonders that were going to happen, how we were all going to play on this big, giant, big-ass table? And it was going to do all of the calculations for us. That never happened. <laughs> that was a long time ago, too. That's got to be like eight or ten years ago now. Yeah, it, it turns out that you have to be able to do everything on a tablet. <laughs> I do. I do think that one of the virtues of the PPTA system that I love is that everybody sort of instantly knows what's happened when you make the, a role in that game. And I do think that that's like that's the sort of thing that. Um, as somebody who came into this very recently, um, I'd love to see more tactical combat-oriented games. Sort of think about ways to like make that more obvious, and I think automation is a way to do that. Like if it's an automated role, the, the system can automatically sort of give you a sense of what's happened. Obviously, the GM still has to you know tell you the rest of the story, but. I think it's a lot, uh, when you get a, just an instant visceral sense of what it is, especially if you're a newbie, that draws you in so much more than like if you are, uh, have somebody has to explain to you, well, now you have to, you know, roll the, the, the D15 or whatever, you know. Well, and also, you make a very good point that there's a specificity in, especially Apocalypse World, the original, with a lot of the roles that you don't get, like a lot of the the hacks end up being like make up what happens or something that is very nebulous and I think new players uh, have a tough time like just kind of conceptualizing what they can do with that mm-hmm. um, but also it just it still just kind of slows things down um, and even like uh, uh, experienced players having a framework of what you can do and what happens is very important but even Beyond that, like how very specific a lot of the things are, like uh, when you are when you roll. Uh, oh shoot! It's very early in the morning. I literally just woke up. Um, there's the one where you're like you're you're looking at your surroundings and stuff. I, I forget what it what it is at this moment, but there's just a list of like five, four or five things, and you just choose from one of those, and that is 
very different than a lot of um, the other modern systems or a lot of the hacks where, you know, they just like ask a question, you know, um, yeah. you could still get a lot of information from those four, four questions, but I think it's much more interesting. And like you said, like everybody knows exactly what that means when you choose that question. So I wonder if, I wonder if like the crunchier systems out there could sort of kind of recapture some of the story game market if they were to like automate their combat systems to the point where it's literally like that there's an app or something and you just say I'm going to try to hit him here or I'm going to do this sort of attack and it does all of that for you and just says you do this amount of damage you miss or whatever and I want I wonder if that might marketing... Do you remember Do you remember Aces and Eights? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that was the gun shooter. The, that was a gun shooter, but right. like you had to have the silhouette, and then you put the, the oh, crosshairs yeah. on it, and then you had to draw, you had to roll dice, and then draw and see where. If all that got animated, so you had an app, and then you like put the crosshair on the silhouette and press go, and it tells you if you shoot them or not, and where it hits them, and all of that stuff. Right. That'd be neat. That'd be really cool. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. There's no reason not to fuse the stuff together, I guess. Yeah. But when you're taking out transparency, it's like, oh, man, <laughs> this is rough. <laughs> all right. You know, and I have to say, when he was talking about high contrast dice, I, that's all I use is high contrast dice. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a lovely, lovely die. Yeah. Those are, uh, uh, who made these? Those are Kraken dice. Yeah, they're Krakens. I love those dice. Uh, Big, heavy, and metal. My wife just got into making dice, and she like does the opposite. Here's like one of the ones that she made. Totally unreadable. And it's super cool, but you can't you can't see anything. I mean, she hasn't done the contrast yet for like the. Oh, this is that's because that was blank. It's a fudge die. Oh, it's fudge die. Okay. So you can see, but uh, like once it, it even gets filled in, I mean, they're beautiful, but uh, uh, they're uh, they're a little less. Uh, Utilitarian, fast. <laughs> you really have to look at. You really have to like get over them, stare at them, and like pull out your monocle. And... <laughs> I remember someone. It wasn't. I don't know. It's it's been in the last decade, but someone had a set of dice that had some kind of. First, it had little filigrees all over each dice face, and then it had sort of like an elven scriptish version of the number that were virtually impossible to read. I don't remember who that was, though. I can't remember who it was, but I said they'd roll their dice, and they'd look and I said, oh, yeah, it's this. And then I remember once they rolled them, like, give me a second. Okay, that's a flawed design. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's an idea. What if you had dice that had a thing in the middle that was, like, this electronic, like, Bluetooth Wi-Fi thing, and you roll your dice, and it instantly tells your computer what you rolled. So you can roll it. It's an interface. Like, the dice is, is a uh, really a computer interface that tells everybody what happened, and everything is done immediately. You mean but the, you still get to roll the dice. With a little uh, accelerometer in it, so it knows which side is which, and it just... Yeah. So they're blank. Yeah, or they could they could have numbers on it so that you can see, so that you yourself can see it. But everybody already knows. The so people who really like, want to last one to know when you're counting it up. <laughs> that'd, be a neat, that'd be a neat interface. It would be really expensive to do, and like three people would buy it. But that, a neat interface. That, that yeah, that's one of those solutions looking for a problem. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, anything else on this? Or are we done with that? We're going on to the the. Um, um, 
Oh, Friar Greg's, uh, what, do you, what do you, a manifesto? <laughs> um, Axel, thank you for the email. Sorry, Ken R., I announced you in the beginning. That's next week. I promise that's next week. <laughs> Oops. All right. Do you want me to start it, or do you want to start it? Um, uh, I will start it. Okay. Uh, and just, when you get to the end of it, or when a new topic is about to start, you can stop, and we can kind of talk about it. All right. That's probably the best way to do it, because it's six pages uh, long. <laughs> this is Friar Greg from Canada. And let me just say, the reason I included a six-page email is because it's, he wrote, first-time email. And it turns out that was a lie, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> from Canada. <laughs> it is from... Yeah, that was me. I put Canada. <laughs> I, I, I think Canada is, is a great place. Um... Hey there, Happy Jackers, you wanks, you douche galores. Uh, I want to start this off with an apology. This is not my first time emailing, nor, if you're reading this, the first time being read on the show. But it's been years, and I wanted to get to the front of the line again. Sorry. Well, you didn't get to the front of the line, because this is one of the most recent emails I've received. (laughs) (laughs) That's... Mm, that's real smart. Uh, <laughs> other people don't do that because <laughs> Stu totally won't read your email and we'll put it on. Well, you know, I, I, I don't always do what I'm going to say and I don't always say what I'm going to do. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's still a little early. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, this is going to take forever. Last time I wrote, I was stationed in Newfoundland. Newfie. Uh, and was having a hard go of it. If not for your show, if not for a local gamer group, I joined, and if not for the Thursday night karaoke drunk fest, I may not have made it off the rock alive. Take a drink. Sorry, I had to say the rock like Sean Connery, because... Right. Yeah. Um, I will take a drink. Now I'm stationed closer to my home in Ontario, Canada, and just getting caught up on another dose of Nutty Backlog. Mm Mm-hmm. I love the backlog. I put off your show for months at a time so that I have to take it all in at once. Excellent. Oh, my. Um, I have a short list of things (laughs) I want to share with the Jacker world, including a reiteration of a gaming nightmare I failed to express properly before. One DM confession, two awesome examples of my keeping players happy and engaged and scared shitless of everything... A shot at Stork for messing up the description of my favorite fantasy series of all time. And let me just say, I- as as is tradition, shots at Stork happen when he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, and my take on paladins and faith magic. This shouldn't be too long, but shit happens. <laughs> Maybe it was I drunk. found the greatest D20 for Stork ever, because it's all ones. <laughs> it's the D2020. <laughs> Excellent. Hats off to whoever came up with that. Yeah, right? That's mm, that's good stuff. Uh item the first. Gaming nightmare from over twenty years ago. I previously wrote in about a gaming nightmare I had experienced, and at the time of the sending, I had a moment of maturity and cut out all the juicy bits, thus ruining the story. I didn't and still don't want to make a big thing of it, but the example should be shared and lessons must be learned. Long story short, 
My girlfriend at the time invited me to join an AD&D 2nd Edition game with her friends. I had fun with them for a couple weeks, but it didn't take long for me to realize that this game was stacked against me. As it turned out, this DM had a crush on my girlfriend and allowed me to play to make her happy. Then used this opportunity and his DM powers to make life hell for me. I'm sure he was hoping to show her what an idiot I was, how terrible I was at RPGs, that I was a jerk, whatever. Point being, uh, about eight attempts to make a character that could stick to the game, having them all get killed, eaten, raped, or even mind-controlled. Jesus. Whoa. Uh, Taken as NPC and used to kill the next PC I brought to the table, I had finally had enough. The DM called me up a few hours before the next game and said that the party had voted and that they didn't want me back. So I didn't. So I didn't go. My girlfriend showed up at my house right after that game and wanted to know why I had bailed. Of course I had told her what I thought of her friends, but she had known and played with them for years. I must be wrong. My mistake was making an ultimatum. Uh, she yeah. chose her friends, and I broke up with her, and to this day, <laughs> she'll always be the one that got away. As much as I love my now ex-wife, that girl was the one, and I let someone else put me in a position to fuck it up. Don't be me, be reasonable. There, I got the story across without sounding like an angsty, done-wrong teenager. Take a drink. But I'm guessing he was an angsty, done-wrong teenager at the time. Who did wrong, too? Or you could have just said... Oh, like, like you lied to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude said it. You all didn't want me back. Well, we never did that. Oh, well, he's a dick then. <laughs> I don't want to go back. Cool. I mean, mm. I really like. Obviously, a lot of people are listening to this as a podcast, but go back and watch the stream and just see my face as this happens. Because I know I just was like staring in abject horror at all of this. Just like, yeah, it's an unpleasant experience for. I think literally everybody involved. Oh yeah, Except the GM. The GM sounds like it's just a dick. So, <clears throat> oh, the GM probably loved the, the the result of it. Yes, that that was the that was the intended effect. Right. So yeah. All right. Yeah. You, you, you want me to you, switch you off? Fell into the trap. <laughs> Should we switch off to the next one? I'll, I'll read the yes. second. Okay. Item the second. DM confession from over twenty years ago. <clears throat> give you the little blessing because i am a minister uh a few years ago the breakup i decided to take a few years ago after the breakup i decided to take a crack at running my own adventure this was this was only my second experience with a a female player in the party lo and behold i made the fatal now i didn't pre-read this should i pre-read this did anyone read this? Is this I, how I, awful I, is this I, ju- I literally just woke up. <laughs> All right, uh, I, I was, I was, I'm skimming it right now. <clears throat> okay, uh, go ahead, go ahead and give it a read. Steve, okay. All right, here we go. Before you read it out loud, just give it a little. Just give it whoa! A little yeah. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> this is wild. <laughs> just like yeah. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Uh, so, so am I reading this? Or am I not reading this? Because I haven't read it. I haven't read this yet. <laughs> I'll, I'll read until I feel like I should stop reading. Because uh, we've had some truly horrible horror stories come in. Uh, and not only yeah. ste- uh, made the fatal mistake, and not only stepped on her player agency, but also. See now, I don't want to read it because <laughs> that's like foreboding. 
I think you could just skip to the last paragraph and we can all sort of fill in what happens. Um, but I'll, do you, I'll just summarize. Uh, there was a veteran player at the table who knew the rules better than our, our, uh, the person who wrote us, Friar Greg, I believe. Uh, right. And uh, the, the veteran player sort of manipulated the system to uh, basically force the one female character at the table into a situation that she would not have normally been in. Uh, in the last paragraph, yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't be like me, be considerate if she's listening now. I just want her to know that I'm sorry, and I made a point of teaching my kids about consent in and out of game before they got to high school. Take a drink. Uh, so you could probably fill in the rest yeah. during the last, but yeah, that's that's basically the story. And it's in it, having just skimmed it, it's not as bad as some, but worse than others. Yes. Of stories uh, with similar tone. I'll go ahead and read the next one since we skipped that one. Item the third. An awesome example. Oh, awesome example A. In the same campaign as item the second, I pulled an amazing feat of DM chicanery. The party came across a single kobold living alone in the woods, and they decided to chase it down into an old forgotten mind. Mine, not mind. Uh, the following was an it's evil, therefore it must die scenario. The party, I love doing that. The party uh, chased the poor little bastard into a mine, and despite the maze of tunnels, it was cornered. Desperate, the kobold turned to its only treasure, the unlooted body of a dead dwarf adventurer. The dwarf had succumbed to an old poison trap chest years before and left behind a belt of potions and a two-handed greatsword. The kobold was... Are kobolds big enough to use a greatsword? No. Mm. The kobold uh, was smart enough to know what potions were, but dumb and desperate enough to not care about cross-contamination. He drank all five potions at once. The potions were haste, giant strength, well, it takes care of the sword, uh, heroism, polymorph, and restoration. I decided at that moment that one character could only drink up to two potions without having some kind of kickback or side effect. He drank five. So at this point, the players heard the blood-curdling scream echo from around the tunnels, and they braced themselves to take on this puny kobold... When it came charging, and come charging it did, but they did, but not as expected. The kobold had grown a foot of fur all around its scaly body, and therefore had a hard time seeing. So it turned into a chow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, oh my god! That's amazing! Oh, I love this so much. <laughs> the fur was all glowing, glowy, and bright, and dropped Our sparkles whenever whenever he moved. It was a raving chow. <laughs> uh, he moved with incredible speed, taking up taking up to two move actions and three attacks every round. The three-foot-tall three, three foot tall glowing furry lizard was brandishing a six-foot-long greatsword with ease and surprising accuracy. The little entry-level monster was hacking the seventh-level party nearly to bits while howling in pain, even though uh, he was never hit once. In one attack, the monk actually lost his leg to a massive crit. I rolled wow. a d10 and decided... That the wild mixture of potions and the level of exertion the little guy was suffering would result in a heart attack in five rounds of combat. Huh. Uh, the party n never touched him. He pretty much decimated half-dead half monk uh, in a party of five. Uh, the adventurers in five rounds and then suddenly keeled over dead without an another sound. 
To this day, I warn all my players to never judge a monster by their size and always uh, beware a desperate enemy. An enemy. Be like me. Fuck with their heads. Take a drink. I think I'm out of I'm out of coffee. Let's get this email six pages long. You know, uh, germ. Oh, I forget what the guy's name is. The guy who can drink like an entire thing of uh, like a huge stein of beer in like a second. Oh, the guy just literally pours it as it, yeah. it, he swallows it as fast as you can pour it. Yeah, I've seen that. Guy. That is an amazing skill for someone who's really in the potions. <laughs> You're basically a juicer then. <laughs> You just go, arr, arr, and, then, and then you go. I, uh, I, re- I really love this story. Uh, that, that's really all I have to cut. Like, I think it's a really smart way of coming up with a way to play with the, uh, an animal's always most dangerous when it's cornered and like, uh, have some fun doing it. Uh, it. It's a weird story. I don't know like how it would ever be applicable to like any other game than this one, but I enjoyed hearing it. I kind of like the idea of a one-legged monk. <laughs> right, because you know the whole like uh, 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 Shaolin, like being on like on the the poles training, where you're on like one foot and you're doing your stuff. Right. Uh, you take that into a magical environment, and you have somebody who's you know I don't know they have their new like tripod martial art or something where they're doing stuff on their hands all the time and they're always inverted or you know and you have that one really strong leg <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that might be kind of neat i haven't really thought it through but uh I, I i do like i do like the idea that the monsters at some point also get to go in and, and loot the bodies of previous adventurers i think that it, there's something poet poetic about that mm-hmm. that's uh, a cool idea yeah yeah I, I like it's kind of a turnabout uh, who wants to read the, the item the third? Awesome example B. I, I'll, I'll go for it. Okay. Um, uh, I recently started a game of Savage Worlds set in the world of the Wandering Inn, wanderingin.com, with my kids who are now 12, 15, and 17. They're all very intelligent people, and not just because I'm their father or even that I'm a super genius in inheritance rules. But they do all have lots of strengths and very few weaknesses. My youngest has actually been identified as a gifted student and suffers from occasional bouts of arrogance. In this savage game, however, he decided to play a smart and arrogant alchemist who had not managed to acquire any tools or ingredients. So in the first five to ten combats, he was feeling a little useless and unable to contribute. Therefore, not having any fun, I decided... Therefore, not having any fun. I decided to play to his intelligence and gave him something I figured only he could do. I just want to note this all took place in Discord with a dice rolling bot I wrote in Python that really helped remove a lot of the crunch. I gave the I gave the party a messenger bag full of undelivered letters. See, the system works. The system works. That's what we can take from this. Right. Uh I gave the party a messenger bag full of undelivered letters. The rogue, my 17-year-old daughter, was reading through all the mail and found one of interest, a love letter with a curious wording. My darling Alessandro, my husband will be gone for 12 days to deal with the outlying estates. Please reconsider. Come take me away with you. She figured something was up with this letter, so she passed it off to her 15-year-old brother, the warrior, who made an excellent notice check and found the following. Hidden in the fancy hand-drawn border full of hearts and arrows, there's a, a long-coded message. that uh, looks like a, a, a some sort of a replacement cipher. Uh, the warrior showed this to his party member, who was always claiming to be smarter than everyone else. Not only did the 12-year-old instantly recognize that it was a cipher of some kind, it only took him 30 seconds to name the Caesar shift and to identify the number 12 as its key. 
He also made an excellent role on his academic skill and found a web app for decrypting these and responded with the answer. The goblins we thought destroyed at Liscor are in the high passes. You will have to be extra diligent in keeping eyes off them until they can get back on their feet if they can. With high praise from his siblings who had no clue what a cipher was, my 12-year-old expressed his own excitement and dedicated the rest of his adventuring to being the best brain a party could have. Be like me. Give them something fun. I really like the idea that he, because I mean, everyone at the table has a phone now, and so we all have access to, you know, the world's knowledge, mm-hmm. but I like the fact that he sort of had, took the the game mechanics and said, oh yeah, go ahead, make a Google search and see if you can figure out what it is or see if you can find something to decode it. Yeah. I like I like mm-hmm. sort of the confluence of bringing those two things together. Right. Uh, well, go ahead. It's, it's, well, I was going to say, it's kind of like an escape room where you, they say at the beginning, like, you don't need any speciali- specialized knowledge to do any of the stuff. Um, but, like, when you have the internet at your fingertips, even specialized knowledge you you, you don't really need because you can just fill in the gaps. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it allows you to have the, the knowledge to do a whole bunch of stuff that you wouldn't normally do. Um, it also does help to be like super smart and have knowledge like like this kid did because um, like again like uh, doing escape rooms with my brother who's a super genius he just cracks codes just all the time so oh it's a code yeah there's no problem uh, yeah we uh, in the Savage Worlds game I was referencing earlier we had a, a situation where I knew something that my character wouldn't because I like new folklore and stuff uh, so the the GM was like, okay, your character wouldn't know that, but she might, this t- took place in the modern world, but she might know how to Google it. So do a roll to see if she can Google it, pick out the right keywords. She could not, as it turned out. <laughs> but oh, no. so I did not get to share the information that I knew and somebody else had to figure <laughs> it out. But I thought that was a fun way of getting around sort of that 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 problem. Um, and I also want to say this, e- this email sounds like, a, this example sounds like an example of good parenting. Good work. Mm-hmm. Good yep. work, parents. I agree. You know, uh, today is is uh, the thirty first. It's Halloween, and I am going to go as a gifted child. So when somebody says to me, "What are you supposed to be?" I can reply with, "I was supposed to be a lot of things." <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right. Item the fourth: a shot at Stork. I'll read this. Should we skip it and like wait until Stork's here? Because I'll go ahead and read it. Stork, dude, you brought up Deed of Paxinarian three times on the show that I can remember, and each time kind of gotten the description wrong. No worries, it happens. Go back and read them again. It's a, it's a dope series. It's is it, really good. What is it? Um, well, I mean, I'll read. tell you right here. Okay, okay. <laughs> but that leads leads into my item the fifth: how to fuck with fake magic and paladins. In the deed of Paxinarian, uh, is that how you pronounce it? Paxinarian. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's how I, I. I don't fucking know, but I was Paxinarian. I read it when I was like twelve, so okay. Paxinarian is always what I said. But I also pronounce all of Greek mythology wrong because I never heard anyone say it, so I have no idea. <laughs> like Chaus. We used to call Chaos Chaus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
<coughs> she was a she- uh, in the deed of, in the deed of Paxanarian, she was a shepherd's daughter who ran away from marrying the local pig herder's son. She joined a mercenary company and within two years finds herself adventuring on her own. Then she gets an opportunity to train with the famous paladin candidates at the local holy warriors training club, only to lose everything and become broken. I actually cl- cry at this part every time I read it, and get it ba- all back. Uh, with the help of a healing druid. Only now, she's actually a paladin and not like the ones in the training centers who train and qualify and submit to selection. She's actually touched directly by her own patron saint and two other deities she doesn't even worship. Turns out that she's needed to fix a thing and no other paladin understands poor people like she does because they are all rich, sponsored silver spoon pricks who can afford to go to Holy Combat School. Uh, Pax uh, has been a huge influence on my gaming career. Uh, I've played countless paladins and always tried to do something different with each of them. Stork was right when he said, clerics choose, paladins get chosen. I took this statement a little far with one of my favorite PCs, Lady Annette, and the man Arlington, was... Just think Sandra Bullock from Miss Congeniality in Chainmail with a holy sword and an empty bottle of mead. What the fuck? Can't you see I'm floating here? I don't get that. Now, Anne had a very different relationship with her patron deity in that she hated him. Think back to D&D Avatar Trilogy. Back when second edition was first released, the story was that some god had stolen some tablets from Io, uh, the overlord of gods, and got all the gods kicked out of the upper planes. They fell to the prime material plane and ended up just fighting amongst themselves until the mortal heroes were able to return the tablets to Io and stop the whole mess and save life as we know it. In one instant incident, the demigod Helm took all the souls of the adults in the city to augment his strength so he could defeat Bane and save all the kids. Well, maybe he saved all the kids, but not from the slavers and cultists who came into town later when there were no parents or adults to protect them, and lost her sister to cultists and proceeded to hate her parents for abandoning her and her sister. This, in turn, became a hatred for the demigod turned full god who saved the city because he took their parents away. So now we're in D&D 3.5, and Anne joins a Merc company, like Pax, uh, to get away from the terrible life, only to start getting visions and powers from her deity. She was chosen by Helm uh, to fight his enemies and to protect the weak from evil. Well, maybe she was chosen, but she didn't... But she didn't have to like it. When Anne uh, prayed every morning for her spells, it usually went something like this. Hey, asshat, Helm. I'll be the god this time. It's me, Anne. Remember me? You killed my... No, no. well, that's her. It's me, Anne. Remember me? You killed my parents. I Oh, this is... Just, I thought this was going to be a conversation between her and her god. I need these spells now. <laughs> I didn't she could do different voices when she's talking to herself. Right. That'd be funny. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, let's see. I destroyed some skeletons last night. I saved those angel-looking dudes from the giant undead thing, and the other day, you still owe me for burning down that den of assassins last week. I don't care about my tone, just pay up. Alright, thanks. Now fuck off. Oh, that's... Oh, okay. 
See, I was hoping it would be conversation. That would have been awesome. Um, that was Anne. Uh, she swore a lot <clears throat> and eventually degraded down into a, a gray guard and finally a blackguard. Uh, signing on with a great, a greater demon to get revenge on Helm. But while she was a paladin, she was alive and not even the mantle of goodness and justice was going to stop her from getting drunk and screwing every available peasant in the tavern. In Anne's case, she hated her patron. I don't see why all paladins have to love and worship their, the deity that grants them their powers. This is... I'll go ahead and, and finish this out. This is an amazing example. There is an amazing example in the Dresden Files where Sonia, the Black Russian Knight of the Cross, who wields the Holy Sword Esperacius, uh, again against the fallen angels to save the souls of their victims, is an atheist, though he says he he says maybe agnostic. He doesn't believe in God. He sees demons every day. He sees magic and holy coincidence all the time. However, when he's confronted by Dresden and others, he just says, and I'm paraphrasing, it might be that I'm delusional and only hallucinating these things. Or maybe they actually are aliens and I simply don't understand their science enough to call them anything but magic. Maybe there is a God, but I do not believe it is so. The wiki says Sonia accepted Michael's offer to become a knight and took up Esperacius, although he de- deals with supernatural and angelic demonic creatures on a regular basis he considers himself an agnostic and says that he fights for the good of society fitting his devout socialist trotskyist nature uh uh, that's an atheist paladin he says he has to some extent holy powers and uses a glowing holy sword to fight demons that he doesn't believe in maybe i'm not making uh sorry if you're a trotskyist you you should have like a hatchet Sorry. If you're Trotskyist, you should be hiding in Mexico. Um, <laughs> maybe I'm not making a very valid point or just rambling. Maybe. <laughs> about faith in games. But really, it can be played in any fashion one wants. I mean, they do, they do that in real life, too. That's, that's why it's not called science. Uh, my current paladin is Lysol's polisher housekeeper. Good, yes, evil, no. I'm not, I think that was supposed to be a joke, but I don't know if it was one. Because I don't get it. Was that funny? Am I stupid? Did I, did I get that? Did I not get that? Did everyone else I get don't that? Know. Maybe, it's a, maybe it's a reference to like Lysol's oh. cafe in Canada or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, well, yeah. Uh, Canadians uh, like goodness. That's, Maybe they I have, think that's what that says. Is that, is that what, oh, okay, <laughs> I just uh, the you know because I'm I unlike my character, I can Google things. Uh, uh, Lysol clean yes germ no was apparently a, a bad campaign they had for a while. Uh, oh, and that was so. It's a, a Canada campaign. Got it. Yeah. Right. Well, no, it's it's mm-hmm. literally it's literally here. It's been it's, everywhere. It's just been oh, many really? years since that existed. Yeah. So mm. that's what I get for not watching television. Or, or seeing anything that Lysol sponsors. I've right? <laughs> never heard of that. Finally, take a drink. Even if it it's your weak-ass American brews. Well, it's morning, so I'm drinking coffee. Uh, you really need to come up here and drink real beers. We have real beers here. Yeah, but they're overhopped. Oh, I think that we might have a disagreement there. <laughs> I have had one. I had, I had one that's like, okay, this is too hoppy. I can't drink this. And it was called... <laughs> I think it was Optimus Prime. <laughs> I, I, it was, I mean, it was like drinking 
turpentine. There was so much, so much hops oil in it. It was, I couldn't take, I, I mean, I, I finished like half the can. I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> but other than that, I'm, uh, I really enjoy the show. Uh, it's kept me alive and made me a better player and GM. Oh, thank you. I have expanded my horizons and learned new systems because you talked about them. You have made me laugh. You have made me cry on purpose. Uh, you've even made me laugh so hard I cried. Excellent. Um, awesome. All you, uh, all of you are always welcome to come visit up here in the Great White North, where pot is legal, and we won't even call you a ten ply. Can confirm. Better Kenny reference. Woot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might, you know what? I would not mind like moving to Canada. So uh, great. If you want me to crash on your couch? I'm more than if you live near Letterkenny, I might come because I I want to go on a pilgrimage. Yeah. <laughs> See, I still immediately think of Bob and Doug McKenzie, even though Letterkenny is hilarious. P.S. I'm not leaving you a P.S. P.P.S. I lied. Take a drink. I'm out of coffee. P.P.P.S. Blank. This isn't... See, for a guy who wrote a six-page email, you should not put this many P.S.'s in an email. Uh, P.P.P. Uh, blank. This this line intentionally was left blank. Uh, blank. Oh, no. That's a Yoda. Blank. This line intentionally was left. P.P.P.P.S. If you read this letter on the show, my next email will be sent from the actual North Pole. Can confirm. Yours in gaming. Friar Greg, active Royal Canadian Air Force, Corporal. Not retired. (laughs) (laughs) Is Friar Friar Greg Santa? Because that would be great. Like, that would be wonderful. I would love love if we just read a letter from Santa about (laughs) role-playing Yes. Yeah, if you... And you know what? Christmas is coming. We could have a letter from the North Pole about from Santa Claus about role-playing games. That would be awesome. (laughs) That's actually from the North Pole, especially... All right. Anything else anyone wants? Oh, I I should mention... Go ahead. I'll go last. Are we going to talk about this thing? Well, go ahead. Oh, that's oh, right. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had we had the last part of the email, right? Um, I mean, uh, when it comes to, to deities and stuff, like, uh, man, like you have to just kind of throw everything out the window because you have actual proof of stuff. And like the guy who's like, "Well, I don't know. I think it's aliens because I like science." You you kind of have to believe your observations if you really have them. So that's kind of frustrating. To me, like science, the only thing that is science is doing science. If you're not doing science, which is the scientific method, then it's not science. So you can observe stuff and it's like, wow, I could feel the heat of that fireball. And you probably should believe like your senses at that point. Um, and if you, if you can do a laboratory test of it, if you can like actually figure out how to get like a real observation of it and do real science, then you can do science. Otherwise you're, you're not doing science. This is not a great comparison point because she was Catholic, but Scully from the X-Files was kind of an atheist paladin. Uh, She was just like, I really want to always know the science behind it. And like, you get to like season six or seven when she'd seen like multiple UFOs and she was like, I don't still don't believe because the show needed her to not believe. And like, that's an interesting character dynamic to play with. Um, so I think that, that that sort of thing could work. Uh, my other takeaway from this is that apparently I need to read these books. They sound quite good. Oh, yeah. And, oh, okay. and, and she's badass. Like, like there's there's a lot of... like it, it. I mean, 
from what I recall, because it was a while ago, um, but like when she's in in battle, it is like it feels like historical in the mud actual fighting. Like it isn't uh, anything cinematic that's happening there. Um, and uh, and she she is just a badass. Um, huh. So it's a, it's a good series. Yeah, I I've always. Stork and I have always agreed about the whole paladin thing that uh, about clerics choose to be clerics and paladins are chosen to be paladins. And and, and I, I personally don't have. I mean, I would have a problem if someone said, "I'm going to make a cleric who's an atheist." Well, that that doesn't make yeah. sense. To me. But paladin, it's a total fit. I mean, they, you get. I mean, like he mentioned, Sonny and the Dresden Files and the Dresden Files, you get. Uh, a plethora of different sort because of, because the Knights of the Cross and that basically are paladins and and you get like a little sampling of of different ways you could have a paladin in the game which I always thought was very interesting including like the temporary paladin which I which I always think would be a really interesting thing to have in a game where someone like is chosen for a specific task and once that task is over they no, they are no they no longer imbue those powers or have that have that ability. But also, you no longer have to do their thing. You right. can just go home. I, I just, I now desperately want to play uh, the, the uh, Scully the Paladin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just like overwhelmed with this idea. Right now. <laughs> really, I have, I have really never was. liked playing clerics or paladins. Just, I don't know. There's, there's something about it. There's something about the uh, being beholden to like this. Uh, power that i you know literally tells me what to do is just like mm, i don't know it'd be it'd be interesting to play a paladin like here's where it's like no i literally fucking hate you um and i do not want this but i have to because you're way more powerful than i am and fuck you for that or you, i i can't sleep because you keep talking to me in my dreams so i'm gonna do this yeah. to shut you up <laughs> something like that, something along that line. You know, I've been watching uh, Criminal Minds, which is the interminable uh, FBI profiler TV series. It went on for 15 seasons. And I'm somewhere, it, it, it's somewhere in the mid-2010s now. So I'm, I'm approaching the last few seasons of it, I think. But... I need to go back and watch X Files and see if the, it is as as formulaic, because they're both our series. <laughs> I could make a bingo card for Criminal Minds, <laughs> and every and and fill it with lines like, "Our unsub might be a team. Our unsub might be a woman. I think we're looking at a spree." And all these like catchphrases they use. I think we're ready to deliver our profile. All these, all these, these phrases. You could put them on a on a bingo card, and every goddamn episode, you would fill that card. <laughs> uh, I, as someone who literally wrote a book about the X Files, um, it is a much less formulaic show. It has formulaic episodes, mm-hmm. but every season, you know, they have at least half of the episodes until the later seasons that are kind of cruddy. Like they have at least half the episodes, which is really interesting and well told. Uh, monster stories, and um, yeah, I, I think it's one of the great shows ever made for that reason. So. I have to watch it again. Yes. I, haven't, I haven't watched it since it originally aired. I, the only two episodes stick out in my mind. One 
is that y'all might be the government people episode where the the town in Texas that is all vampires that disappears that's overnight. What? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that one was hysterical. And of course, the episode with uh, Jesse Ventura and uh, what's his name from the Jeopardy. Alex Trebek. Alex Trebek. That's uh, that's my favorite. That's my favorite episode of all. That uh, killed me. With the, the car that drives too fast into the into the garage. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> Those two episodes, uh, I loved. All right. Uh, anything else? Anyone else want to mention before we? Uh, thank you for the missive there, Friar Greg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's keep it down a couple pages. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you guys ever seen The Great Race? Mm, I see if that? I did, it was a long, long, long time ago. Uh, it's it's it's, it's old, a great right? movie. It really holds up. It's really old. But there's a line in there where like one of the characters dresses a friar, and uh, so another uh, character is told you know, he escaped with a small friar, and the guy said he escaped with a chicken. <laughs> and so that's what I hear every time. It's like fry. It's just you know like a like oh a, holy uh, shit! It's really chicken. old. It's 60, yeah. That's 55 years old. It's got Natalie Wood in it. Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon. It's awesome. Um, and also, um, oh, the guy who was the father in The Princess Bride. What's his name? Oh. Uh, Columbo. Oh, Peter Falk. Peter, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who is amazing. Uh, so... I highly suggest watching that. That would be a great game too. It's a race from New York to Paris. Lots of great, uh, lots of great pop culture recommendations this episode, if nothing else. <laughs> All right. As opposed to my not pop culture. <laughs> oh, I brought it up, and it brought, it's a mad, 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 mad world. I love that that movie was so fun with the giant W tree. No, okay. That's okay. even that's even older. Anything else anyone else wants to plug or anything before we, we end it? No. Negative. No. My third book is out. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, just search Mandite, M-A-N-D-E-I-G-H-T, or my name, Stu Venable, and you'll find it. Oh, it's there. Uh, my uh, podcast, Arden, uh, season two uh, is resuming on November 9th, and um, our Halloween special went out on the 29th, and it is a, if you've never heard our show before, you can listen to it cold. It's a fun episode of audio fiction. And when they find it where? Uh, on all podcast catchers, it's Arden, A-R-D-E-N, or Garden without the G. So. Excellent. All right. I'm going to go ahead and end it. Thank you for joining us for season 27, episode 15 of Happy Chicks Over 2 Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Happy. I'm Emily. And we'll see you next week, probably on Friday, 7 p.m. Pacific time, happyjacks.org slash live. Until then, stay safe. We pursue this hobby from Michigan to Australia and maybe East Timor. Be a dreadful
The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.